Vax isn't going to take on the war below herself, so I'm going to get busy respecting a cop shop. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Vax Perfect, and this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Do you know what? We just couldn't help ourselves. And we were like, who's going to say the boom? I'm going to say the boom. No, you're going to say the boom. Let's both say the boom. It's sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if anyone no, was I able to know. watch this, you'd see us both go, oh, and put our hands over our mouth. It's quite funny. But you know what? We record this as live. We love it. Sometimes things go funny yeah. and we just leave it at that. How's your week been, Van? Sounds like it's been quite busy, actually, doesn't it? I, I, I've thrown myself into the, the world of 3D printing and it is consuming my entire life. Um, <laughs> it, is, it has taken over every pore of my being. I, I've pulled hair out. I've ditched the contact lenses and switched to glasses for ease. I've, uh, I, I haven't showered in weeks. It, it, it's, been, it's been a long one, you know. But that's I have seen average. some movies. So that's, <laughs> and I, I, did shower before the, I did shower before the screening for Cop Shop, though, which is like the only one I had to actually go to. So, oh, Phew. Yes. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Well, look, we've got we've got a mixed bag of, of movies today, and I don't mean that in like a positive and negative. I mean that in they're all very different topics and subjects. We've got a biopic in there, we've got a war movie, we've got a feel good film, we've got something probably about cops, which I'm not really sure about. So loads you know and loads what? of good stuff. Well, yeah, we've actually not got a, a really bad one either this week. Mm. There's, there's nothing that there's nothing that I've wanted to turn off at any point. So cool. In fact, let's talk about our first one because we're starting up with, I think, the best movie out this week. Mm, yeah, we're starting with Herself, which this is my feel-good movie, right? So uh, we just <laughs> offline were describing this and um, you kind of described it, Van, very well as like a Ken Loach film that is a feel-good Ken Loach film, right? It's like I, Daniel Blake, but makes you feel happy. Yeah. So the story of herself is it follows um, a mother of two children in Ireland um, who has an abusive other half, an abusive husband, and she's kind of estranged from him. She's not very well off. Um, she's been put into social housing. It's a very, very hard life, and all she wants to do is keep her kids. She works as a cleaner for a doctor who's been very poorly but she's worked for her for a number of years. They've got a really good relationship together. And one day, this woman basically watches on YouTube that she could build her own house for herself rather than sticking in social housing for about 35,000 euros. And it's a self-build. So she gets upon herself to try and build this house for her and her girls. And the way it kind of plays out is that she gets the whole community involved to help her do it. And it's just... Yeah. Delightful. Your mother was far more than a cleaner to me. She was a friend. She helped me through some bloody awful times. I want to give you the land and lend you the money to build your house. Love is smart. You can't. I can. You can pay me back over as many years as, as we decide. Hmm? What do you say? That's uh, uh, Harriet Water there with, uh, with with Claire Dunn, who I I, I said we, we just looked this up before we uh, before we came on to record. Mm. Uh, I don't know Claire Dunn from anything, and yet no. she's brilliant in this. She really holds her weight as the mother. Yeah 
in this. She mm. she can command the screen. She's got all the. She gives you all the feels. There's the empathy there for okay. her. You see her grit, determination. You see her mothering side. It's it's a beautiful performance, and I think she's got a really exciting future ahead of her. On the flip side of that, you've got Ian Lloyd Anderson as Gary, her partner. Who as the yeah the, the partner yeah, yeah yeah he makes my skin crawl because. It's it's that uh, you know it take uh, it takes a lot of guts obviously if you are in an abusive relationship to to be able to kind of say enough's enough instead of just going like mm. being stuck in this cycle and it plays out with that and the thing is about this movie is that it opens with that abuse right and they the yeah. way the filmmaker has um, has done this um, has done it in a way that is like a very fine line between hitting you like an absolute gut punch. Um, to the level of this abuse, but having that fine line where actually it doesn't show you so much that it becomes too graphic, you just know and can anticipate it. And I think that's really clever cinema cinematography and, and I'm, narrative. I'm going to refer back to this exact conversation in about five minutes' time, by the way, okay. just, to, just, to, just, just to warn <laughs> you in advance. But yeah, uh, it's Anderson's performance, I think, because he really just dissolves into this character. And yeah. as a result, the, the domestic abuse angle plays a lot harder. Um, it's, it's emotional highs and it's emotional lows are yeah. very much high and low. It's highs are high, it's lows are low. And it it's a really effective film mm. as a result of that. And it's very capably put together. It's, it's uh, Philida Lloyd who's directed this, who did um, the first Mamma Mia and The Iron Lady. And you don't get that impression. This does not feel like a prestige director. This this feels like someone who really wants to make this, passionate, this, this passionately put together drama. And it really shows. I think this is a tremendous film. I absolutely adored it. So I saw, saw this at the LFF. Would have been like a year ago, and we're coming up to the next LFF. I'm sorry, this yeah, would be a year yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, yeah, I was blown away by this. Absolutely brilliant movie. Can't recommend highly enough that you check yeah. it out. So that's I, herself. Herself, and that's in yeah. Cinemas from yeah, and I just wanted to point out on that, there was a moment where I thought, you know, this doesn't have a big, shining A-star cast in this, right? A-list cast. Yeah, it doesn't need it, it's, though, does it's, it? it, it but, what, but there was one character who is like the builder who comes in to help um, mm. Claire Dunn. And I was thinking, God, that would have been such a good role for someone like Brian Cox or something like that to come in and be that <laughs> yeah. character, but it's not. <laughs> I thought I thought Tim Spall. I had the yeah, same thought yeah, with like yeah. Tim Spall yeah. or, or even or even just very different movie with Ray Winston. I thought it would Some, be quite Yeah, funny. those kind of characters. That's who you kind of needed. But yeah. you know, I like the fact that it's it's low-key actors in this names that you won't recognize because you just get lost in the story. Fantastic movie, really, really enjoyed it. Um uh, moving on though, um we've got another movie which which um, is a war movie uh, out this week. Um, I, I described this very quickly as the Hovis advert underground in World War One, and all Van said yeah. was stick with that thought. Yeah, because I absolutely agree with you. I mean, just feels like this. I mean, first of all, this has very clearly been aimed at a televisual audience rather than a theatrical one. But anyway, let's do the plot first. So, it's World War One, and uh, <laughs> Tim Goodman Hill plays a general. You know, you know Tim Goodman Hill. He's that guy you always get when you want Ken Branagh, but you can't afford Ken Branagh. You can go and get like. <laughs> You get the Poundland version, you get like Tim Goodman, and he gives you good brana, fair enough. So he's the general who recruits a group of sewer workers, you know, down and out, who can't really be soldiers. And he recruits them, 
brings them to the trenches to dig under no man's land to effectively bomb the Germans from beneath. Believe it or not, I had wondered for most of my life how no one had ever attempted this. It took, because it seemed like such an obvious solution to World War One, and it turns out, yeah, yeah, they, they did. It's my duty, my responsibility. Your responsibility is to be here with your family. I didn't realize that meant putting our war effort into the hands of uneducated, untrained civilians. Give me four months. Can you do it in time? I don't know. We're the only crew that can. Without us, those tunnels are going to fail. It's going to break! Press the walls! We checked the tunnel. There's some faint sounds scraping. It looks like the Germans are digging now, too. The Germans know we're coming. We shall not give our enemies one foot of soil. I will make 800 feet. I kept thinking about that line from Bruce Willis all the way through this. I have <laughs> never missed the depth. I can make 800 feet. Anyway, <laughs> Armageddon. Way more fun movie than this, admittedly. Well, yeah, I was going to say, this movie lacks probably the uh, tension and the oomph of most World War I dramas that we mm. see. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's quite um, linear in the way that it sort yeah. of plays out. And, you know, and that's that's no bad thing. That's just the, the tap that they've taken. But for me, it's a bit snoozy, if I'm being I think you would charitably refer to this as a serviceable, serviceably good film. Perfectly yeah. serviceable. Nuts and bolts mechanics, all very well made. Um, I will argue that the visual effects and the actual production design of this are quite brilliantly well done for a mm. very lean, for what's really a lean budget. They've done a tremendous job with that. Also very noteworthy, the director is also the visual effects artist. So read into that exactly how they've achieved that. And actually they've done a really good job as someone who's recently deep dived into after effects they've they've done some really impressive work on this that's uh, jp watts the director having said that sam hazeldine who's really who along with tim goodman hill are the only really recognizable face in this they're perfectly good perfectly fine but this just feels like a mock buster that you would release when 1917s in cinemas yeah yeah and like you say it is very televisual i think that is the key thing to pull out of this is is the televised mm. aspect of it will sort of leave you a little bit like, oh, was I wanting a little bit more? It's fine, if I, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what? This is the type of movie that they might play in 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 film school just for the technical aspect to give you that yeah, kind of yeah, exactly. information. Um, so you can look at it if you are, you know, if you're nerding out over over kind of your <laughs> cinematography, your visual effects, all that kind of stuff, go and watch this for a, like a 101 on how to do it all. It's a really, really good example. Yeah. But in terms of a dramatic... This is obviously... Yeah, this is someone's uncle's field, isn't it? It's like, oh, we, we've got access to someone's <laughs> uncle's field. Let's go and do this. You know that thing uh, with Hammer movies where it used to be like, oh, we've got access to this mansion for like three months. Yes. So yes. let's just let's just come up with a bunch of films really quickly to go and do that. Like this could feasibly have been one of those. Uh, yeah. Cop Shop later on that we're going to talk about has the same thing. Where it's, I feel like you had a factory and you just thought we'll just come up with a movie to use this factory yeah it's like that it has that kind there is that feel to it as well welcome back to off screen uh we hope you've enjoyed our first two picks for you today both that you can see at the cinema from 1917 to 2017 i don't know when herself was set but it definitely uh was good a couple of picks of films for you to go and watch now the big film this week which is 
plastered all over buses and has a big name attached, Oscar-winning Jennifer Hudson, is Respect. It's the biopic that everyone's been waiting for because which diva could play the Queen of Soul other than Jennifer Hudson? Um, so yeah, it's the biopic and story of Aretha Franklin and her rise to meteoric, meteoric fame and iconic status. Just a little bit. Go a third below, Carolyn. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, baby. Just a little bit, girl. Just a little bit. If I could tell it. Just a little bit. Mama. What the hell? It's almost 3 a.m. We're writing a hit song. It's Otis Redding's song. Just a little bit. <laughs> Look, a lot of buzz about this movie. Uh, like I said, a lot of marketing behind mm. it. Um, you'd expect, with all the things that I just mentioned, big name, big big diva, this is going to be a big movie. And I think it was a big disappointment. Um, it's a whopping Same. two and a half... Yeah, whopping two and a half hours long. Good performance from Jennifer Hudson. Like, let's not, let's not beat around the bush. She does an okay... Good job, you know, it, it is there. But do I say it's Oscar worthy? I'm not quite sure no. at this stage. But it's the the look and feel and format of this movie lets this down so much um, because it just drags, doesn't it, Van? It really does. And that two and a half hour runtime is just one of the many ways that this insists upon itself as an awards mm. caliber movie. Now, interestingly enough, a film, obviously you and I had the conversation last week, we were talking about watching What's Love Got To Do With It and Respect. Now, I did that at your suggestion. And, yep. oh, I mean, first of all, it makes Respect even worse, I think, because mm -hmm. it kind of points out exactly what I'm going to say now, um, which is... In the same way that Cats, of all films, had been machine-crafted as if to be an awards contender and nothing else. Like, they were going for awards before they were just... before even considering the fact they were making a film. Mm. Like, that's the undeniable thing with Cats. Which also, interestingly enough, starred Jennifer Hudson. You've got the okay. same thing here, which was... Well, you know what? No one below, like, 40's really seen what's love got to do with it anymore. They're not going to notice if we just bash the same thing out again and slap an Aretha sticker on it. Slap being the pun intended there because there's a noticeable filing down of certain age-restrictive elements in this film. So in the same... Yeah. And this also feeds into the, the performance of the male co-star, the, the, the male mm. co-lead in these films as well. So Jennifer Hudson, perfectly fine. Obvious natural vocal talent. She's a perfectly good performer. Second time in a row she's been in one of these ham-fisted, let's just cobble together an Oscar bait thing. And it doesn't work. I don't know why she can't seem to find a second project that works, because mm. let's be honest, she hasn't been in a good movie since Dreamgirls, and that was 15 years ago, so sooner or later, maybe stop army hammering this one. Mm. Then you've got the male leads, and Marlon, Marlon Wayans, very good in it, but he is mm. looming under this shadow of, like, Lawrence Fishburne's Ike Turner, and... Because Ike Turner got to be nastier because he wasn't being specifically chiseled into a 12A age rating, he kind of still takes the weirdly unfortunate crown as king of the woman beaters. Mm. You know what I mean? Then you've got Liesl Tommy, who directs, and this is her feature debut, 
very well directed, but it's so pedestrianly Oscar bait. It's all like, okay, boilerplate prestige filter slapped over the top of this very traditional framing. And then you've got the scene as our clip points out, which is, oh yeah, play that rhythm again. Oh, oh, what's this song I've just randomly picked up off the table? What's this? Mm. Respect. Hmm, sounds interesting. Those moments, the yeah. chubby hmm moment, as Mark as Mark yeah. Cameron says all the time. Um it's fine, but it's just nowhere near the level of the talent involved in it. It's so by the numbers. It's so rote. Yes. It lacks consideration of the woman. And that's before we get to the insanity again of, why am I watching a movie about the Queen of Soul, literally named after the greatest work of the Queen of Soul? You know, the Queen of Soul who passed a couple of years ago, who got, you know, the highest honor a civilian can get out of Barack Obama. Why am I watching a movie about her relationships with the men in her life? She's yeah. the queen of soul. Yes. I get that she yes. has to overcome that, but I'm sorry, but that's, that can't be the defining thing about this woman's story. But if you're going to use that as the hook mm -hmm. for this film, do not do it with a barrier where if you're going to show that she was in an abusive relationship, not show the abuse. Don't cut away from that. And that's the difference yeah. between what love, what's love got to do with it and this film yep. is that, yeah, is that it has the grit. It has the bits that make you wince. It has the bits that make you mm. want to slap Ike Turner in the face of the yes. way he's treating Tina. There is none of that gusto behind this movie. And the thing is, they portray Jennifer Hudson's portrayal of um, Aretha Franklin. And you know, I didn't know I didn't know her other than when she sang. But as a mm. very meek character, if you don't, if you have the lead character who is relatively meek day in day out, and that's her persona, you need the other side of it, which is more, you know, gritty to bolster that to make it a more balanced film. And that's yeah. what this lacks. And unfortunately, for the two and a half hour runtime, you're plodding along, you're kind of going, where is it going? And then the climax at the end, doesn't really do any sort of justice. It's a bit like, oh, right, okay. So normally you'd expect yeah. like a big concert and she, she, you know, and what she does is a big gospel yeah. kind mm -hmm. of uh, song at the end, but it doesn't give me tingles. It doesn't do anything. It is, as you say, so formulaic. It plods along. It doesn't give you anything that you'd expect. And I think, you know, if anyone thinks that they're going to get any sort of award contention out of this, yeah. yeah like, Not a chance. Not a chance in hell. Genuinely. But then again, it's it's the Academy, and this is exactly the kind of pandering middle-of-the-road slush that they do like to heap that token uh, te mainstream tentpole award on every year. I call it the Green Book problem. But, uh, you know, they're, 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 this is the thing. First of all, the logical end of this movie is you've got Barack Obama pinning a medal on an aged-up mm. uh, Jennifer mm. Hudson. That's how you end this movie. Like, go and get Will Smith to throw on a suit and pin a medal on an aged-up... Uh, Jennifer Hudson, what are you playing at? That's how you end the Aretha Franklin movie or put her in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Just why you end... And the problem is, it's a story about Aretha Franklin that seems to have been written without, and this is the really ironic part, respect. Go figure. Yes, yes, I know. I got Go that figure. as well. I was like, it was such a I, small... I, I'm blown away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ugh. I'm going to anyway, have to be let... really quick on, on Cop Shop. Okay. Right, so yeah, I'm going to be on. really quick. I'd say, not even, Respect isn't even a bad movie. It's just an uninteresting, uninvolving, yes. completely yeah, unworthy you. one. Yeah. Anyway, so Cop Shop, new movie from Joe Carnahan. Remember a few weeks ago we did Boss Level, directed by yes. Joe Carnahan? Remember that? He's yes, back. Yes. Remember, how we, okay. remember, remember a few weeks ago we had that movie Boss Level starring uh, Frank Grillo? Yes. 
Well, now we've got a new movie starring Frank Grillo. I mean, it's almost like they're mates and they set up a production company together to make action movies on the cheap. Can you imagine such a Funny thing? That. This is their latest one. Yeah, this is their latest one. And now they've dragged Jerry Butler in as well. They've dragged Gerard <gasps> Butler into play. So, Frank Grillo is a fixer. He's a flamboyant fixer, effectively, for like the for Nevada politicians, who finds himself being hunted for an assignment gone wrong. He finds himself on the run. He has to get to his wife and his ex-wife and his son, and he needs protection from other people trying to kill him. So he turns himself into the police and gets himself put in the slammer of this assault on precinct 13 style police precinct. You know, very well designed, happens to look an awful lot like a fort in its layout. Like you notice within about 30 seconds of walking in a room. Hmm, I wonder what happened if you came under fire in this in this room. And then, you know, wouldn't you know it? Um, so he gets himself put in the uh, put in the in the slammer. A drunk then gets brought in, played by Gerard Butler, and who it turns out very quickly is revealed to be a hitman who's there to take out Frank Grillo. The precinct then comes under siege by another hitman who's there to take out Frank Grillo. In the middle of all this as well is the arresting officer who brought in Frank Grillo, played by Alexis Lauder, who has to navigate just who's on the side of the angels on this one, who deserves to be killed, and who's gonna let her get out of here alive. How bad is it? Are you an idiot, Teddy? Anthony Lamb. I'm going by the more friendly and less formal Tony these days. We're off my contract. No can do. This contract is free fire, as there are competing parties for one Theodore Moretto. Bob, are we going to duel to the death? Get me out of here. Always and only about Teddy. Teddy Moretto's not here they come. Let's make a deal, man. I got a lot of money. There's no deal to be made. Come on, Teddy. You know how this goes. Two points I want to make about mm -hmm. this movie. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it, but I don't understand the synopsis because all I heard when you were talking was Frank Grillo, Frank Grillo, Frank <laughs> Grillo. <laughs> so that's just one point I want to make. Uh, there was too many Grillos in one description for me. That's just there. Secondly, there was a lot how's of grilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of grilling about Grillo there. And secondly, how's our mate Jerry? Well, you know what? He's 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 still doing. I think he's still doing the bee venom thing in the face again okay. for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but uh, yeah, um, this is pretty good. It's perfectly fine. It's a sort of lean, stripped down '70s exploitation style dip into Assault on Precinct 13. It's a Carnahan riff on Assault on Precinct 13. It's not a patch on Assault on Precinct 13, but it's fun. It's good. Yeah. It falls apart, though, by being a bit too convoluted and a bit too complicated. Like, when various different parties start showing up, and they never seem to quite define what the story is with Frank Grillo. It does feel like, do you know what? We've got this location that we can yeah. use for a month. And they, the building's going to be knocked down anyway. Let's just blow half of it up. Like, we, we've got a permit to blow half of it up. Let's have some fun. Like, what movie you know can we come up with? Perfectly yeah. fine. Fine. Yeah, if, you if that's the scenario, it's it's fine. You know this got made for like two mil or something like that. Yeah. What you don't want is a popcorn action flick mm. overcomplicated. I think yeah. that's, that's the problem. So yeah. Oh, but if it's perfectly fine, then that's great. You know. And some, I think you know, after talking about like how dragged out respect is, I think what you yeah. want to do is just go and see something easy, mindless, a bit trashy, lots of action. Sounds like the one for yeah, us. This is 108 minutes, I think, this one. 108 minutes, and it's Frank Grillo teaming up with Gerard Butler, finally. What's not to love? Yeah. 
Welcome back to Offscreen. Now, moving you from the cinema to the couch, we have your seven-day guide to all of the movies on your telly box. And we're going to start with a big 1998 hyped-up space movie, aren't we, Van? We are indeed. And you know what? Right, this, was, this is regarded kind of... It got really sniffy reviews at the time. And yeah. I, I still, to this day, can't quite figure it out because I really want to know what it is that critics in 1998 thought they were walking into. Like, what film did they expect they were getting delivered? Because I thought we were getting a pumped-up, you know, late 90s, Apollo 440-driven, hoo-ha, plasticified remake, feature film adaptation, not a remake, sorry, of Lost in Space, of the 60s TV series, the classic Lost in Space. And you know what? That's exactly what we got. Audiences didn't show up for it. I mean, I think it made $136 million, like, by the time it was done. It cost about, like, it cost something like 70 or $80 million. It was quite expensive at the time. And uh, it got all the sniffy reviews, but it is noteworthy for one very distinctive detail. Now, sear this into your brain, Miss Perfect. Yes. Lost in Space, which stars William Hurt, Mi uh, uh, Mimi Rogers, Heather Graham, and Matt LeBlanc. Lost in Space was the movie that took Titanic off the number one spot after 15 weeks. That is a, wow. st a statistic you will never forget now. You'll forget the number, no. but you will never forget that Lost in Space took Titanic off the number one spot after you, 15 weeks. It's like four months, isn't it? Do you know what? That's the gift that keeps on giving. That is a great pub oh, yeah. quiz answer. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, uh, yeah. Pub quiz is perfect, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, worth yeah, checking brilliant. out. Worth checking out. A good time, sort of big blast, late 90s sci fi family friendly actioner. It's got the planet episodes, it's got the space episodes, it's got the creature episodes, all mashed into one plot. Five past four, Saturday afternoon on Five Star. Watch this with the kids. It's a good time, and it's just worth it for just the gung-ho theatrics of Matt LeBlanc with Apollo 440 blaring in the background, shouting out the words, last one to kill our bad guy buys the beers. I love this movie. And another movie that I, I think I love more in hindsight. You picked this one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love it more in hindsight. Since Luca, actually, I love it more in hindsight. Yeah. BBC One, 10 past three, Sunday afternoon. Another one I think you can watch with the family. You know, you watch with the family. It is, of course, Pixar's Brave. You, you're a fan of this, I assume. Yeah, I do. And I always try and find a nice little Sunday afternoon movie for the family on our, on our uh, rundown each week. And, you know, Kelly McDonald... Mm. Scottish, you know, kind of like ginger hair. It's all very, I just really like it. And I think I haven't seen it in a while, um, but I, I, I do like the kind of sentiment behind this movie. And I think it's a good Pixar movie. Absolutely. I, I mean, for me, it's it's mid-tier Pixar. But um, yeah. I, I will ask, this is the one with the mum, she's the Scottish, like, teenage princess and her mum gets turned into a bear. Right? Yes. Is that what happens? Yeah. Yeah, 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 Hide yeah. the bear from the warring clans. Okay, right. I just, want, I just wanted some context. I couldn't quite remember what the shtick was with the bear. I thought she... Never mind, here's a clip. What are you doing, lass? It's all right, Dad. <clears throat> I... Um... I have... <sighs> Well, you see, I... I have been in conference with the Queen. Is that so? Aye, it is. Well, where is she then? She, uh... How do we know that this isn't some trick? I've uh, never... This is highly irregular. What are you playing at? Where is the Queen? You will not stand for any more of this jiggery pie. Right. That's right. Let's see her. Shut it! <laughs> 
I'm going to be really honest. When they said they were making a Pixar movie set in like ancient Scotland, I genuinely responded to a friend of mine. I was like, okay, so when they're going to hire Billy Connolly then? They literally hired <laughs> Billy Connolly for this movie. You could not, you couldn't make it up. So on then to uh, Monday night, quarter past ten, ITV4. Uh, another one you've chosen this, uh, The Untouchables. We've had this before. Yeah. It's a classic. We- Costner in his prime. This isn't it. And also 1987. Yeah. 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 This is one. I mean, I mean Sean Connery got his Oscar for this. I think. Yeah, I think he did. And, you know, this is all, it's all about like pro, the end of prohibition, you know, the, oh, sorry, during prohibition, not the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the fight between Elliot Ness and and Al Capone. I mean, it's all about, you know, corruption, gangsters. It's, a, you know, it's brought out a kind of around that time that we're loving that genre of movies. And I think mm. it, it really there holds up. There was a lot it, it, of noir in the late, late 80s yeah. and early 90s. Like, look yeah. at even things like, even bizarre things like Roger Rabbit. You're like, it's 1930s yes. gangster inspired specifically. Yeah. There's a lot. Like, uh, Batman didn't help because Batman's rooted in 30s uh, art deck as well so, and there was the joke was yeah, played Gotham, as a monster Gothic, around Gotham. yeah but you look at the movies like and then even like the comic book movies the shadow the fans all like 1930s gangster imagery in there and the untouchables is one of the big things that kind of starts that isn't it yeah, and I love it. And I think it's a great, great movie for you guys to watch. I think if you haven't seen it, don't worry. If you have seen it, it still holds up. And I think that's what's really good about this movie. So yeah, so that's The Untouchables on ITV4 at 10.15pm on Monday. Moving on to Tuesday on the Horror Channel at 9pm, The Stepfather. This is one of my choices, quite clearly. <laughs> right, yeah. classic. I think this. I think it's 80, 86 or 87. This stars Terry Quinn. I'm not sure if he's still Terry O'Quinn back then. He used to be Terry O'Quinn, then he became Terry Quinn in later years. Around the time he got popular on Lost, I think he started losing the O apostrophe from uh, the middle of his name. Uh, but Terry Quinn is the psycho who becomes, who marries into this family, and he has, you know, clearly has designs on like murdering the whole family. There's something quite not right with him, and his teenage stepson starts to get suspicious. All from the perspective, I think, of the teenage stepson as he tries to, you know, figure out like, oh my god. Is my stepdad, my new stepdad, really a murderer? This is the original version of that plot. Like, this is the movie we got that plot from, you know? Like, the mid-80s when horror movie creators were just endlessly coming up with... Yeah, um, what about um, Mom's boyfriend? He's the killer this time. Then next time, uh, what about... Um, it's, it, it's the little girl at the, at the camp is actually a boy. Like, what about that? We'll mm. do that plot. And, and, you know, when they were just trying to come up with every conceivable, like every real world kind of twist they could come up with this was the okay this time it's the stepdad is the murderer let's do that as the plot they remade this in 2009 i believe with uh, dylan walsh from nick tuck as the uh, as the stepdad and right. uh, pen badgley Pe- badge penley oh. pen, no, pen badgley yeah, pen pen badgley. badgley. Yeah, yeah. yeah was the uh, was the the teenage son and his girlfriend was amber heard that was the 2009 oh. version it was crap but it was kind of enjoyable crap you know yeah, kind of yeah, thing you yeah. and i love 100 minute long slatter but this is the original terry quinn version you can't top it he's so good in it catch this on the horror channel at 9 p.m on tuesday nights like 90 minutes it is a really solid a to b but what if this time the, the stepdad's the slide? The mom's new husband's the serial killer. That idea. Just go with that. That idea. Um, go run one, with it. One, run with it. Yeah, exactly. And it's Terry Quinn. He's always 
But I'm going to pass over to you for this one because I know you feel quite strongly about this one. I love this movie, but I know you love it mm. even more. 9 p.m., film four, Wednesday night. We're going to have to be quick with the next two after this one. Uh, Wild Rose, Bex. Wild Rose. Oh, yes. Jesse Buckley-led movie about a troubled young Glaswegian lass who dreams of becoming a country singer. And We're racking up the Scottish movies this week, aren't we? I think. We really Somewhere. are. We really are. Yeah. This is a real standout indie movie. Put Jessie Buckley on the map for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And her performance, because she's Irish... Yeah, this absolutely springboarded her to to the amazing career that she's got right now. But yeah, beautiful movie, very well shot, lovely singing voice from Jesse Buckley as well, and just a really, really well done film. I'm actually trying to get to Nashville, you know. Oh. I'm I'm needing to raise a couple of grand so I can get flights and hotel, and I can't drive, so I'm needing a driver as well. And it wouldn't it be more than two or three? Definitely less than five. Oh. Rosalind, I, I'm sorry, I can't just give you money. That's what you're suggesting, which I'm sure it wasn't. No, it was. I can't do that. I don't know. I'm not being funny, but I just kind of thought with all the wee smelly candles burning everywhere and bottled water and all that, you know, you wouldn't miss it. I'll be old and grey before I save the money, whereas you, and you, you could just drink out of the tap. Oh, such a brilliant, brilliant performance. We're going to leave it at that with with that because because you just go and enjoy it if you haven't seen it. It's a great Mm. film. Uh, Something completely different uh, now for you on Thursday. Val, I'm going to hand this over to you for the last two of uh, our movies this week because we can run through them quite quickly. But film four, 11.20pm is The Incredible Hulk. Which one is this? Who's playing the Hulk this time? I can't remember. This is... This is Edward Norton, but it is the Mark Ruffalo version of the character. So this is Ed Norton in the MCU, the only actual standalone MCU Hulk movie. Um, There's a whole legal entanglement thing going over, so the Hulk can only be a supporting character now. But uh, I think this is a really solid A to B thriller. Just a a chase movie, that's all it is. Um, It's also now going to become part of the canon, more importantly as well, because of uh, Tim Roth and She-Hulk and things like that. So I would, if if you've not seen it... now is a good time to, to catch The Incredible Hulk. Um, mm. Also, uh, that's on, say, Film 4, 11, 20. It's a 100-minute long film, so it's a late night, but, you know, a lot of us are working from home. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Friday night, though, 11.15 on Film 4. I love this movie. It's a very problematic movie once you start getting into the politics of the people involved in making it, though, and some of the discrimination claims and assault claims, persecution claims made against them. But it is Brawl in Cell Block 99, which is on Film 4, quarter past 11, Friday night. Vince Vaughn, this is his acting renaissance moment for me. This is the movie that should have, should have given him his reconnaissance. This is him infiltrating the prison, infiltrating the neo-Nazis as a would-be hitman recruit trying to get to the warden, played by, played by none other than Don Johnson. Helps me lift stuff. Man principle. Relinquish it now. You know the difference between right or wrong. And you have a moral compass. I knew before you told me that you got an American flag in your home, you probably got more than one. You're a patriot. Mate. Give me some Miami Vice Don Johnson on a movie screen. I'll watch it. Right, that is all of your movies that are on your small screen this week. Uh, We're going to wrap this up right here and move ourselves across to DVD, Blu-rays and streaming. So stick with us here at Offscreen.
Welcome back for one last ride off screen. And, well, let's go down the virtual, real DVD and Blu-ray aisle. I mean, I'd imagine for most people it's still virtual, isn't it? The DVD and yeah. Blu-ray aisle nowadays? I think it is. Yeah, I, mean, I think it is. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so coming out on DVD and Blu-ray this week, we have probably the best action movie of the last year. The most and, unexpectedly uh, best one. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's talk about that first. Let's talk about Nobody, uh, which is uh, the, the Bob Odenkirk action, which I absolutely adored. And I know you like to tell, tell us about Nobody then, Bex. We've, we have got a clip for this one, actually. Yeah, we do. So so Nobody is uh, is about a guy who basically considers himself to be a nobody. He lives a very bland, normal life until one occurrence, a break in in his house starts triggering almost like triggering his spidey senses. It triggers this whole side of him that he's been keeping suppressed for a very, very long time. Hey, how about we all head to Italy this summer? We've always talked about going back. It would be wonderful. Because yeah. you know, Rome is where mom and dad met. You know, mom and dad fell in love. Possibly yeah. yeah. one of the children. Everybody gets to the basement. What? Right now. Let's go. Move. What is Move. Dad, what, what, right what's now. Hutch, you're scaring me. Go. What is going on? Get the door, on? son. Is this a game? Yes, is this a game, Hutch? I like games. Hutch, what is happening? Don't call 911. Okay, so this is the film that I think sucker punches you into something you did not expect. <laughs> and that's why it's so good. Um, mm. You know, if you haven't watched Better Call Saul, you don't know who Bob is or anything like that, don't worry about it. Like this is, I mean, the poster gives quite a lot away, I think, in itself. But I would still encourage you just to go and watch it and try and be surprised by this movie because... I looked at it and was like, oh, I'm not really that fussed about it. And then I loved it. I thought it was so oh, much yeah. fun. One of my favourites of the year, like when we do the top tens in a few months' time for the end of the year, I, I think this is going to turn up unexpectedly on a fair yes. people's list. Like you could see this being like a Kermod pick, like one of those weird, yeah, off like a random ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's out Oh, is that, um, this is Monday, isn't it? Monday the 13th. Yeah. One that's not going to be on anyone's end of year list, though, I don't think, is is Black Widow, which is the uh, the long-awaited post-COVID return to the MCU, um, if you don't count the, the streaming shows on, on Disney+, Plus, which I'll argue are better than Black Widow. Um, this is obviously Scarlett Johansson's time to shine, uh, in court as well, evidently. Uh, it is the, the Black Widow spin-off prequel origin story sequel. Uh, I think mostly worth it for Florence Pugh and David Harbour, who are just having a blast here. Mm. Um, I think they're they're a lot of fun, and they are the reason to see the movie. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of play setting for future Marvel endeavors, like setting up Florence Pugh, for instance, for future appearances and things like that. Uh, intrigued to see what comes of it, but I don't think Black Widow's one I'll, I'll really be revisiting often, other than as part of marathons. I don't think I'll be yeah. revisiting very often. Um, let's move over to uh, streaming then, and a film that's coming out uh, next Wednesday on Netflix that I know you love, Bex. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll get the gasoline. You bring the matches. Let's go. Yeah, Man on Fire is out on Wednesday on Netflix. I mean, this is... When was this made? Like, early 2004. 2000s? Yeah, 2004. Yeah, and this is uh, Denzel. It's 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 um, you know it's one of those movies again that kind of fits into that 90s category. Although it you know, albeit being made a little bit later, but it's those classic 
It's the classic actioner that you want. It's got the tension. It's got the heat. It's got, <laughs> it's got the action, hasn't it? It has, and it's. I mean, it kickstarts a whole new era for two for its two big talents. I'll explain in a moment. Uh, but it is, of course, uh, the story. I think his name. I think his name is Creasy. He's Creasy, like yeah, an yeah. ex, an ex soldier, ex mercenary for hire type, played of by course. Denzel. So isn't, I think he's he's like an alcoholic. He's he's just trying to take. He's just trying to eke out a living as like a bodyguard for a little girl, played by a then still little girl Dakota Fanning, who is then kidnapped and leaving him with no choice but to find her and see his revenge. My old baby. She needed me so much. Sometimes I felt like I had nothing to give her. Just, uh, I don't know what to do. What are you going to do? What I do best. I'm going to kill him. Anyone I was involved, anybody who profited from it, anybody who opens their eyes at me. I love this movie so much. I think it's one of the best action movies ever made, but it's also one of the best westerns ever made in a strange mm. way as well, because it is effectively a western that's been transplanted into you know current times Mexico City. Um, uh, Kickstarts a whole second, uh, well not even second, but a new era in the careers of both Denzel, who after this suddenly becomes a bankable, you know, legitimate action star of sorts, mm. in the same way that, like, Liam Neeson did after Taken. Um, but also, as well, cements Tony Scott, uh, who, who directs this, um, into just what becomes his template style for, I think, the final few films of his career. He passed, I think, eight or nine years seven or eight years Later, after this yeah, but yeah. the films he directs after this include things like domino include mm -hmm. things like uh deja vu was one of them uh unstoppable remake of pelham one two three he develops a new signature style from man on fire yeah. things like his use of subtitles and color filters and things like that and you you start to know instantly what a tony scott film is after this it does but i would say just don't class domino as like one of the ones to watch on that I <laughs> no no not one of his better ones <laughs> no, he's, he, he's not writing them you know what i mean he's he's only directing Ooh. them we can't Ooh. hold him accountable let's give kira <laughs> let's give kira a short haircut and maybe she'll remember, be able to act <laughs> do you remember back in 2005 when domino actually came out and the terrible. whole hype the whole hype around it was like kira's getting naked in this one that was genuinely like what the tabloids were running with with as the hype machine for uh, Domino. But yeah, Man on Fire, better movie than Domino, and you can find out for yourself if you've never seen it on Netflix from next Wednesday, the 15th. Yep. Uh, on the 17th, though, Bex, what are Netflix adding? Gemini, man. You have strong yeah. feelings on this. Yeah, I have strong feelings, because if you love Ang Lee and you think, you know, Brokeback Mountain, you think Life of Pi, you think, oh, I with Life of Pi, yeah, you think Life of Pi, he's pushing the boundaries with technology. So then he does Gemini Man, which again, pushes the boundaries of technology again, but these are pushed too far in the wrong direction, because I remember so distinctly every moment of going to watch this movie in the screening because Van you, I think you were in the same one as me and uh, Mark Commode certainly was as well it is like it's using the high <laughs> frame rate um, mm. to create such a realistic look that yeah. essentially you look like you're watching a, a rehearsal of the movie and I absolutely hate that I hated it when they did it with The Hobbit I hated mm. it even more so when they did it here and then they de-age um, 
Will Smith. They de yeah. Will Smith in this as well, which I was okay with. It was like, you know, you're playing around with that technology, but it was basically like, oh, Ang- I'm Ang Lee. I'm going to go and play around with some technology, but I'm going to completely forget that I'm making a film. And these are just the bits I've sort of pushed together just to, to make something for a couple of hours. It's terrible. Ang Lee does have, uh, he has a weird preoccupation with that high frame rate thing. If you remember the Billy Lynn's halftime Super Bowl walk or whatever it was mm. a couple of years ago, that was like weirdly in that frame rate. And he's like, oh God, this is rubbish. Why? But, uh, <laughs> well, we've, we've, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you know this, but we do have four Avatar sequels in double this frame rate to look forward to. Oh. Like this, I think, as far as I understand, I think Gemini Man is 60 frames a second and the Avatar sequels are 120 frames a second. So James Cameron is literally doubling down on that. Um, but my thing with Gemini Man is if you're going to cast a guy to then use mm. like computer effects to create a younger version of him to like face off, why would you pick a guy who already has a son that exact age who looks exactly like him? Just seems like a weird goddamn choice. You know what I mean? Yeah, who also like, acts or tried acting yeah, for a while. Who, yeah. who is an actor? Like, who has played his son in a movie? It's like, but, why? There's a lot weird. of very weird, weird decisions with this film. But you know what? If you're intrigued, it's available on Friday uh, for your viewing pleasure on. Netflix as well. Um, Let's move across to, yeah, let's move across to Amazon Prime. So a movie that I am so passionate about seeing, and we're going to be reviewing this hopefully next week for you. I've seen the musical. I love the documentary. I think this is an amazing story. It is Everybody is Talking About Jamie. It's out on Friday on Amazon Prime. Yes, everyone will be talking about this. And the trailer for this looks insane, doesn't it, Van? Mm. I, I, I don't think you'll be able to move. I mean, they're probably they're sharpening the BuzzFeed articles from the long lead screenings <laughs> as, as we speak, I'm sure. Um, you, this, this is going to be the biggest game in town, this thing. Yeah. It, I mean, the Netflix, Netflix as the prom didn't quite work out, I don't think, but I would mm. argue that a lot of that was to be expected the second they cast James Corden in it. Yeah. Uh, this, though, you've got kind of a beloved cast. There's people like Richard E. Grant in this. You've got a musical that's, you know, it's an established brand. It's an established property. It's very popular. It has a fan base. It's on Amazon Prime, which, oh, you know, has a not insignificant user base. This is going to be huge. Like, yeah. you're not going to be able to move for conversation on this. It is, it's I'm expecting, beautiful. I'm expecting kind of, you know, brassed off, full Monty, those uh, uh, Billy Elliot style, like British musical uh, drama based, um, you know, feel good fun as well. But I'm I'm expecting, like, that's my benchmark for this. I'm expecting it to sit there that when I think about those movies, I think about this in collection with it as well. I am genuinely shocked that Amazon Prime didn't do a limited theatrical run with this. I know, because obviously they bought the rights, and it's just weird to me that this didn't get a limited theatrical I think it's going to have a big home on streaming. Yeah. It's going to have a massive, it's, massive But it's going to be... It's destiny. It's going to be in, like, cult classic midnight screening. You know, that yeah. kind of atmosphere where people can dance and sing along. It's going to be in those, like, sing-along screens like that and quote-along screens. It seems like the kind of film that is tailor-made for that. So it is, this will find its way into cinemas, regardless yeah. of whether or not it's any good. 
Just, well, you know just I mean? keep your eye on the um, yeah. keep keep your eye on the Prince Charles cinema. Yeah, see, exactly. <laughs> see what comes out of that. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, that is rounding up all of our streaming DVD and Blu-ray, and in fact, that is rounding up our podcast for yet another week. Um, a really good selection of films uh, this week. Nothing that was too dire. Nothing that we needed to rant about, which is good. Every now and again, we seem to be pretty placid on the old film front and not too opinionated, which is good. And that is one of these weeks. Next week, we're obviously going to be leading with everybody's talking about Jamie because I think that is going to be the zeitgeist uh, movie Mm. that we are going to be looking at next week but we'll keep you posted with all the top movies on the big screen the small screen and everything in between as well but for now I've been Vex Perfect I've been Van Connor and we shall return Mm.